welcome back to episode 15 of Lily of the Herbs Talks. It's been about six months since I've last recorded a podcast and two years since this podcast was founded and since then I've had some beautiful conversations with very different and inspiring individuals all working with plants and I feel that the um, incentive and inspiration to continue to share the lives and ideas of these people are still burning just as brightly and when inspiration hits and the idea lands in my head to interview another person it's always going to be someone quite special so today I'm very honoured um, to have been talking with Sari from Gabayanga country in Glenifer near Bellingen um, where she works on the land and yeah in this conversation we really delve into what inspired her to start working more closely with the intricate ecology of the land that she works with weaving textiles and plants and food and medicine into her everyday life and how she hopes that more people can start to live on the land and yeah live a more wholesome and connected life because we are facing quite extreme ecological um, yeah devastation and the effects of climate change are really in our face and so that work is more important than ever um, so I really hope that you enjoy this episode Uh, hello everyone, welcome back to Lily of the Herbs. Uh, it's been a little while since I've recorded but I'm very excited because today I'm meeting Sari for the first time ever online. Hi Sari. Hi everyone, hi Lily, thanks for having me. Oh, such a pleasure to have you. So today we have Sari who I've never met but I've been following her on the virtual world for quite a number of years now and just loving watching the journey that she shares, um, what she chooses to share with us about her, the way she works with the land and how she explores and she is an ancestral living practitioner, um, mainly working with herbs and textiles and market gardening and birth work and she's just really and poetry and writing and activism like I could the list can go on so I'm very excited to have her here um so maybe I'll let Sarah introduce herself and I just want to maybe start with the first question which would be how what really led you what was the turning point that led you to start working in this way mm, thank you that's such a good question and there's so many different um, aspects and pathways of my life that I guess have kind of led to this but I would really love to start our conversation just by acknowledging that I'm speaking to you today from Gumbanya Gia country unceded indigenous land and to pay respects to all of the ancestors that are still alive and all of the spirits that are still here now in this land and who will no doubt weave their own magic into the conversation. But for me, I suppose what led me to live this way, I was definitely in my early 20s doing the usual university thing, um, studying media and communications at UNSW and I was really adamant in doing environmental advocacy through media and I was living in the city 
and I was just feeling as if there was a real cognitive dissonance between the things I was learning about in regards to environmentalism and climate change and Indigenous life ways and then my actual embodied lifestyle felt really different from the way that I imagined it would be much better to live for my own personal well-being and planetary well-being. So I guess I was feeling really disillusioned and disconnected in the way that I had been kind of socialised to think of living and what kind of contributions I could make to the world. Uh, and then a lot of earlier experiences of childhood and growing up really came to the fore as well. Um, I grew up in a family where it was very normal to talk about things like magic and spirits and the concept that there was life force outside of just the human organism. And so, these memories of childhood and adolescence of feeling like this deep bodied knowing that there was a magic beyond just what I could see kind of was coming in to fill this space that was really um, missing as I became a young adult and so I became really interested in how to kind of integrate the the magic and the sort of uh, natural healing modalities that had been quite normalized within my family culture and how to kind of integrate those into the things I was learning about environmentalism and sustainability. So also had a bit of a dark night of the soul in my early 20s and that led me to go on a big soul adventure with the environment in Australia. And I went hitchhiking and stayed on different communities and permaculture projects and rainbow gatherings and yeah. sleeping <laughs> in the bush for a month and experimenting with what it's like to live without money was very interesting as a young person yeah. to experiment with in terms of those autonomous zones that things like rainbow gatherings give, um, also different burning seed events just really shifted my perspective on what it is that we as humans are prioritizing and the deep richness of the magical living world all around us and how it, it is actually very possible to live in a way that honors the environment and honors our human communities and actually improves our own quality of life. So I guess it was mostly a feeling of, yeah, disconnection that really propelled me into like, okay, what does deep connection actually look like? And I've sort of just been tracking those threads ever since. And they've led me to herbalism and birth work and to study organic farming and agroecology and weave textiles. And the common thread amongst all those things is re-empowering myself with the skills to live in harmony with the landscape around me and with the aspiration of living. On this amazing journey of real self-discovery, um, 
hitchhiking around, going and experimenting with different communities and ways and gatherings of people living in different ways that I guess the basis of all of those things like rainbow gatherings is connection, isn't it? Yeah, it was connection. And a big piece of that as well was reconnecting to my own ancestry. So my family migrated from Hungary, from Eastern Europe in 1996. And so there's been a big part of remembering my own ancestral heritage Mm -hmm. and how to kind of weave that in in appropriate ways in living as a settler on stolen land and what that looks like. And I don't have any answers, but they're kind of the things that I'm really interested in exploring through the different things that I do. Mm, Wow, I kind of want to just let all of that settle into... (laughs) my being um yeah and what were you studying at uni I don't know if that's quite relevant but it does feel relevant Mm. I I actually uh finished uni and first I was studying art history and Mm. that combined with media and communications so there was always a kind of um part of me that really wanted to share information and knowledge and media or communication as a way to inspire people and motivate people to reconnect with the environment and the earth and move towards greater sustainability. Mm. Yeah, I really, that's what I really do feel drawn to about your work is that you have this lens of I guess, yeah, just really recognising that we are settlers on stolen land and that lens of sort of blend feeding into, I guess, I don't know if you call it inspiration or like a a reason for what you do. Um, And I think that that needs to be something that is, I guess, brought into every aspect of our culture if there's going to be any kind of reconciliation. Um, Do you want to speak more about that like especially the maybe the birth work and the herbalism all of it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm. yeah well that is something else I've been thinking a lot about lately is how to cultivate herbs from your own ancestral heritage in a different environment and kind of the um, ethics of that and I'm still not entirely sure but where I'm at with it now is that The plants and the people, we have such a deep time relationship and people have been moving around the world with their plants as a form of resilience and um, maintaining culture for such a long time. So they're kind of things I'm thinking about is how to kind of integrate the Western herbs here into uh, this land that we're stewarding now and how to make sure that the things that we're doing with these plants that are relatively new to this environment, how can they also be of service to the people that have been here for many, 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 many generations? And then same with the birth work as well. I guess all of it is kind of making me think about ways to have this work exist outside of colonial capitalism. So this work that is so needed and it's so simple, like anyone can really do it to show up for birthing people in your communities, learn a little bit about plants and how they can be helpful to your families and the people that you're caring for. And I guess how to make sure that 
those things are happening in a way that obviously currently we need to be making livelihood and be able to pay bills and rates and all that stuff but the longer term work of how can these things still be feeding in to a culture that is looks fundamentally different so everyone's got access to food and housing and water and the things that the earth provides freely and that we for a very long time we've managed to live in human communities where those things are distributed much more equally than they are now yeah does that sort of answer the question i guess the the thing for me is how can we make how can i make sure that this work that i'm doing is whilst also paying bills still on a pathway that's contributing to a world in which you don't really need to pay people for birth work or for herbalism. Mm. Like there's just that ingrained in the way that we live that you don't have to trade money for that to uh, be a service that you receive because they're just kind of normal part of village culture. I guess. Yeah, I really hear you. I feel this is something that I've been struggling with recently, just becoming, you know, recently graduating from my degree uh, and starting to offer sessions to people. There's this, yeah, there's a lot of discussion around, oh, your career, you know, this is your career, um, how you're going with your business um, and that and how, and you know, and like for me, it's sort of like there's a part of me that there's a real bind, you know, I'm like, yes, I do need to pay my bills. But also there's like herbalism for me is so much more than my career and something that I'm just, it's just inherently doesn't feel right for me to be like, you know, it's, you know, I do have to charge, but then it's like, it's, it's so much more than that. It's, it's like my form of activism and it, you know, and it's, it's not mainstream. It's not, you can't go to, you can go and get a bulk bill GP and you just can't do that with a herbalist. So, you know, like we're not recognized and people message me all the time. And they're like, can I get, you know, health insurance for a session with you? And you can't, um, and yeah, I really want it to be accessible still. So it's finding that, um, finding these platforms. And I guess maybe if it's just working out like time that's voluntary, time that's paid and just trying to find that paradigm within it um, or offering trading, I guess there's just so many different ways. Um, so do you, I don't know, I'm not sure if I want to go down the structure of how... <laughs> how to price things now or how to do that but maybe it's just having that awareness I don't know (laughs) 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 I think you probably have much more experience and wisdom to share in that realm Mm, but in terms of the work that you do do you what kind of maybe like like we were actually going to record this podcast yesterday morning but Zari messaged me and said she just got home from a birth and was probably going to need to rest so I'd love to hear about the birth work and what herbs you're bringing to these new mothers and what kind of support you're offering Mm. so I've just completing my studies at the moment with the Australian Doula College and that's the formal aspect of learning the birth work but lately what I've also done is I've unfollowed all of the birth accounts that I was following just to really tune into what it means for me without any other perspectives or 
wisdom-filled voices feeling my own thoughts around it. Uh, so that's been a really good practice and one that I'm still kind of in. And the herbs that I have been working with, with mothers at the moment, has been a lot of nettle, mm-hmm. a lot of nettle, and also letting my intuition guide. So I'll take a walk through the gardens in the morning before I go and visit a mama and really just listen to what are the plants that are singing out. Mm-hmm. And the way I kind of do that is just slowing down and taking a few deep breaths and really centering in my heart and setting the intention to have that communication with the plants. And so last week I went to go and visit a new mum and lemon balm was just shining and singing and I was like, oh, yeah, lemon balm. You obviously want to come along today. And then when I got to her place, there was this beautiful purple Tulsi bush out the front as well. And that also just sung out and said, hey, include me in your tea for mama this morning. So I made a really beautiful Tulsi and lemon balm blend. Just so simple, Mm. but so good for this postpartum mama. Just such a warm hug in the lemon balm. The Tulsi is just you know Tulsi it's just a magical (laughs) magical all-rounder you know so yeah but really also metal just for the amount of minerals in there that a lot of people don't really get in their diet through other ways and in my own body nettle's been such an amazing restorative and healer lately that I'm just feeling like getting more nettle out there is really good and I've also been using native raspberry leaf as well oh great it grows oh. in the rainforest here and it's so beautiful and fragrant mm. so a lot of raspberry them? leaf and nettle are you sort of steeping them overnight or just going with it you know making a tea fresh a bit of both the nettle I'll steep overnight in a long infusion and add just a little bit of apple cider vinegar mm. to help extract those minerals and to kind of cut through that very green flavour that nettle can have sometimes. I like the acidity in there uh, and a lot of the mamas like it too. Uh, yeah, so nettle I'll definitely always do as a long infusion. And then the raspberry I'm still sort of experimenting with and getting to know. At the moment, I've just been putting it into infusions for about 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And what do you feel Before the properties infusions. of the, the raspberry, um, what properties are you using that one for? Mm. It feels like a very nourishing herb to be using I like looking at where it's growing in the rainforest so it's managing to grow in quite damp places but then when I drink it it does also have a kind of astringency to it that I feel in my mouth so it feels quite tonifying in my body and I'm thinking that with all the rains that we've had there's just a lot of stagnation and dampness around and Mm. I feel as if the raspberry is helping just tone some of the tissues in my body that might be feeling a bit dampened from being in the floods and the heavy rains and all of that so I'm feeling like it's yeah mostly like tonifying maybe like a little bit drying I've noticed as well 
Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. And just nourishing, super nourishing and quite aromatic as well, the smell. So I feel as if it's got some good calming things. I also feel quite calm after I have it, whether it's the plant or it's the process of being able to go to the rainforest and harvest and drink medicines is also just very soothing. But yeah, all of it. And that's what I love about herbalism. It's like there's an aspect of the plants and like that molecular relationship between our bodies and the molecules that we're taking in. But then there's also just that greater healing aspect of a relationship with the environment. That's so fun. Mm, Yeah, just even hearing your reflections on where the raspberry grows and, and just your reflection of how it can help to balance some feelings of dampness and from the floods are you feeling um I guess yeah the floods have been such a big thing this year um with I guess the east coast has been really 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 affected and I, I guess it's a big wake-up call for us all around um yeah just I guess we're really starting to feel these effects of climate change um and I, I guess does that make you feel even more like purposeful in, in, in your like in your purpose around connecting to land um cultivating and working with land mm-hmm. and like the mm-hmm. importance of that right now definitely definitely I think 10 years ago when I first kind of had this environmental awakening it was knowing that these things were coming in the future and so it was good to prepare as early as possible to make sure that the transition for everyone can be as least traumatic as possible. And now it kind of feels like that time has arrived much faster with these big climate chaos events. And so, yeah, I have been feeling a lot of urgency. And then trying to also temper that urgency with long-term sustainability because it's very easy for me anyway to get really fired up and then like really burnt out and then I'm not actually able to tend to the garden, tend to the hearth, tend to the landscape in the way that I want to because I'm just so stressed and tired by it, you know. Mm. So I definitely do feel a sense of urgency but I'm trying to manage it by getting really clear on what my priorities are every single day and so yeah because where I'm at in my life I'm I'm 30 I'll be 31 soon there's an aspect that I really want to be solely focused on um, building livelihood and getting my business off the ground you know all that stuff Mm, and mm. then there's this other just greater climate reality that really my priorities are more gearing towards now uh, planting fruit trees putting a lot of swales into the landscape we're going to be putting in a lot more dams and like chains of ponds and food forests and building compost and just remembering that really those things are the things that in 20 years time are gonna make us much more resilient and able to withstand the climate changes that are happening um but yeah it was really it was pretty rough couple of years we moved to the snowy mountains and we lived in the drought there for three years and then that block 
got burnt in the bushfires mm. and then the other a few other people's places that we went to stay at on our way to Sydney from the snowy mountains as we were evacuating their places uh, also came under threat from fire so it was just all engulfing how uh, serious the situation is and then we moved up here to the mid-north coast and like you said it's just been a year of record-breaking floods and um, weather events so yeah it's also kind of just drawing home that every single place now on the planet earth is facing some kind of ecological challenge and to be able to really think about where we are what biome we're in and what regeneration looks like in our context um, is totally different here than what it was when we were living in the snowy mountains um yeah so definitely definitely feeling a sense of urgency and trying to yeah transform that urgency into just steadfast focus on the things mm. that will yeah not only make us resilient but make the hopefully the wider watershed more resilient be able to set up an example of permaculture earthworks and things that you can do on your own land to make sure that when the floods come you're slowing the water down it's actually getting into the landscape you're storing it for the dry times and then also preparing for the dry times so yeah just looking after the rainforest making sure that the balance of trees is more towards things that aren't so highly flammable um, and the small water cycles so making sure that the soil doesn't get too dry through um, cover crops and integrating a lot of trees into the landscape and yeah I guess the the urgency as well is also an entry point into a lot of inspiration and I don't know if you're feeling this as well but it feels as if a lot of old old ways like old industrial ways of living they're just crumbling all around and the unsustainability and unviability of living in such an extractive way is really coming to the fore so it's also a very interesting time there's a lot of space for new ideas and new ways of relating and just approaching the problem in a real diversity of ways makes me really excited mm, yeah I can hear that in your voice it's and it's beautiful to hear that passion because yeah on the one hand there's the fear of like <gasps> It's happening so quickly. Um, how can we catch up? How can we slow <laughs> the effects down and make change? But then there's also like, it's like I maybe it's it made me think of just some thinking I've been doing like around death. It's it makes I guess you know there's this poignancy as well. It's like wow, you know we are in a, a fragile ecosystem that we can really see those effects. And so um, yeah, what we do right now, yeah, I guess it will have an impact. And we can have an impact and there's more reason to have an impact because we can see it happening now and it's just like as when we were growing up you know yeah I'm almost 32 like 30 10 even 20 years ago um it was just kind of like oh well <laughs> it's it's ages away it's really important let's fight for it but it's ages away I'm still in a really quite comfortable privileged life you know and I still am but there is um but I can see it as well 
um, which I think is important. And I always felt that. Um, I was like, wow, I've just, I grew up in Victoria and honestly, you know, there was the Black Saturday um, and a few other fires. But other than that, you know, I didn't grow up on a farm. I, I you know, I, was, I experienced drought growing up, but it, I still had Melbourne water. Um, and so I think it's important for me to feel it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can so relate to that. Mm, mm. Yeah, and plants, having a connection to plants, whether they're for medicine, for food, um, just, I mean, the, what's the difference really between medicine and food and working back on with the land? There's, it's so interconnected. We can't really, mm. I mean, even like, what is herbalism? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Herbiculture, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they're all just kind of, uh, words and frameworks for things that people have been doing for so long mm. and the ways that we've known how to exist with the environment and with the plants and I guess the fact that they're sort of given these categories is an indication of how far we've come and how alienated we've become that they're their own sort of separate schools of thoughts now rather than just inherited ingrained ways of coexisting but that's just where we're at right now and that's okay mm. but I'm hopeful that we'll be able to move towards a time where they're just normal part of everyday life again mm. and yeah. exactly like you said that there is not much difference between herbalism and food plants especially when you get into the the phytochemistry and the nutrients and all of that they're so similar in so many ways mm. what would you and recommend for like people listening like if they you know they're feeling that urgency but they're not feeling like they're doing enough or they're worried but they feel you know maybe they work in the city and they don't have land um and yet they still want to be kind of connecting more and have yeah more of a, a link to their environment mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is about reclaiming the imagination, especially as so many of us have grown up with such heavy industrial conditioning and capitalist conditioning that really tells us this is the way to be in the world and this is the way you need to be to survive, which is also obviously true in many situations currently that we do need to work under capitalism to be able to get the things that we need. But the first thing for me is reclaiming the imagination and actually in your own autonomous zone of your own being, being able to visualise and comprehend and create uh, a image of a lifestyle for yourself that is very different to the way that you're living now and get really clear on what that looks like where do you want to be what kind of skills do you imagine yourself happy ha having uh, and to get as radical into that as possible even if it feels silly and totally unattainable where you are now just that practice of being able to imagine it will mean that on a subconscious co conscious level you can move towards it easier. Whereas if I feel that if you're stuck thinking that this is the only way to be, then 
it's going to just create limits in your own experience. Um, and then the other thing as well, I guess, living in a city, you can get really involved with your local farmers markets or sign up to transition groups, that kind of thing. And then also get radical and real about ways to, I suppose, if you're interested to get out of the city and onto the land. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but it feels as if, if there were more of us sort of politically engaged around that idea and uh, having these conversations and coming up with frameworks and pathways of how to create access to land for people who currently live in urban environments, um, we could see some really interesting things emerge from that space. And I think the more time as urbanized individuals we spend out in the countryside, whether that's volunteering for a couple of weeks on an organic farm through woofing, uh, or even if you just find a farmer that you connect with at your farm's market, just asking if you can come and spend a weekend or a couple of weeks out there learning skills. Uh, for me, going and staying on projects was really inspiring. And in a very short amount of time, my perception shifted around what was possible. I grew up in the city and didn't really have any kind of connection to my food or any skills in gardening or a family that was orientated around those sort of lifestyle skills. But what we did have was a lot of focus on the imagination and imagining that things that you want to happen can happen. And so I think that really helped in my confidence around being able to go out into yeah, different farms and permaculture projects and just drop in and observe and pick up so many great skills that the more I kept doing that and then going back to the city and then back out into the country, I, for me anyway, it just felt like such a more true way of living and a way of living that is uh, tangibly able to sort of um, repair some of the issues to do with the way that food is produced and textiles is produced and how those sort of like intersect and lead to a lot of pollution and oppression. So it's kind of a long-winded answer and I guess it's not the common like 10 tips for <laughs> reconnecting in the city but I'm kind of there's plenty of people who sort of speak to that. I'm much more interested in sort of radical approaches to that which is why is it that there's so many people in the city who would love to be living on the land and have no ways of doing that and that's kind of the problem that I want to focus on much more is less the sort of because there's so much you can do in a city as well in terms of like bulk food shopping zero waste see if you can install a mm. composting toilet at your place make sure the energy supply you're getting from is 100% green yeah reclaim parks and organize growing food on them I think that's super important but then sort of the system thing of why is it that there's so many people who would like to get out of the city mm. and aren't able to and what that kind of means for um, 
yeah, land rights for, yeah, the, all the people on the continent here that want to be living in a harmonious way with the land that they're on. Mm, yeah. Oh, it's a big one. Yeah, there is. It is a big one. And I don't have any one. answers, mm. but I just kind of like framing it in that way because I think, yeah, there is the system is created to keep people off the land because once you have that relationship and that ability to grow your own food and medicine and firewood and all so many of the things that you need to live and that people are currently working for the capitalism well, also, kind of crumbles <laughs> people there's a lot of unutilized land in Australia and a lot of people you know with cattle they've got thousands and thousands of kilometers of um you know acres and acres and acres of unutilized land that's degraded um and not being used so it's yeah I think the land ownership I mean people don't need hundreds of acres all you really need is like an acre a quarter of an acre and then some shared land and shared water that's managed collectively it's not like there's huge amounts and I mean houses don't need to be we don't need to develop the whole country houses can it's like it's, it's in endless you know building mm. smaller <laughs> more ecological structures there is so many ways of and, and in many ways I guess it's like a going back in time but then there's a lot of new technology I think that could be utilized and I think we are seeing it but you know it's it's slow but herbalism has a place in it <laughs> it all has mm -hmm. work work has a place in it textiles has a place in it like it's not okay so we've been going on some beautiful um different streams and paths and following and i'm just getting i think we're maybe both getting the sense that everything is so intricately woven that where you know allow your imagination to create what you feel you desire and we'll try and trying to get more people back on the land um yeah I think more of a stream between I always used to have this dream about like more of a stream between cities and the country like that there is you know they both exist for um have potent reasons and woofing is a beautiful way of doing that but yeah more of a seamless stream between them um and less differentiation you know like a feeling of the countryside within the city and then a feeling of connectedness and community within the country. Um, but I, where do I want to tie this in? I guess with what really I think, um, yeah, inspires me most about you is I think that you're also an artist, I think, within all of that. It's like maybe I, if I was to describe you, I would describe you as an artist. And I think you bring that <laughs> lens to the way that you work with plants and the way that you work with textiles. Um, and I suppose, you know, maybe it's a bit of a vague question, but where do you see the world? Where would you like to see the world in five years time? Mm, such a good question. I'd love to see way more people who wanted to live in the countryside able to do so. I'd like to see way more people with stable housing and much more food gardens integrated throughout the landscape. I love the idea of cities growing way more food. I love the idea of regenerative farming being the normal. I'd love to see Five years time, that's going to be pretty quick, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but we don't have yeah, much but time. I guess way more pathways for people. 
way more pathways open to people to get um, onto the land if that's what they desire. If people want to be responding to climate change through um, ecological ways on the land, then I'd love to see that happen more. Way more young people able to step into farming, way more diverse people being able to have access to land and farming and just a kind of consciousness shift amongst the people in general that really the earth is it and we have a beautiful privilege of being stewards of this planet and that living in ways that honor that actually create better health outcomes throughout all populations. It's kind of reorientating our values as a collective. What really matters? And I'd like to see those kind of bigger philosophical questions permeating out throughout our society through politics and economics and environmentalism and medicine. Just a lot more love, baby. A lot mm. more love. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, beautiful. I want this too. I really do want this. Um, and so I think even us having a conversation about it, I hope that that's like that's an imagining, you know, unless we have conversations about this, unless people listen to these conversations and feel a spark of inspiration, um, then, you know, that's like one step closer to that kind of world. Um, yeah, I wonder how people can get in touch with you like how can they buy your medicines how can they read your work and watch you and see and yeah be involved and follow you I suppose thank you well at the moment I'm mostly very active on Instagram and on that platform uh, my business is called my business so such a yeah it's, it's many other things but you can find me at the medicine grow on Instagram and I'm in the process of building a website where I'll be blogging and have a little shop uh, but people are always welcome just to write to me on that platform I get all sorts of messages and questions and I really love the weird world of the internet and the community that we're able to cultivate there it's pretty magical so yeah Instagram the Medicine Grove and if you follow along there very soon there'll be a website as well yeah beautiful I'll put a link um for that in here and yeah I'm also grateful too it's I feel a kinship and a friendship with you um and yet we have not met in person and so there is something quite magical about the internet I think it can be a tool um for a lot of growth and yeah it's just a matter of mastering that and not <laughs> allowing mm -hmm. it to be a suck or a drain which I'm sure many people um do feel but yeah please continue to share where you go and well, yeah I think we're all wanting to hear and see how your garden's growing and all the babies that you're supporting and mamas yeah thank you so much and you too Lily I love seeing your growth and unfolding and that's the, another thing that I just want to add is that everyone's got something to bring to the transition and to the, the new beautiful ecological future that we're all imagining. Everyone's got skills and wisdom that's unique to them. And the earth benefits the more you honour those and explore those and make those bigger. 
That's a really potent point, isn't it? I think, yeah, everyone has a medicine to share, you know, whether it's a herbal medicine or a touch or a creation or artistic thing, or maybe they they work in council or, you know, they work for government, whatever, it's still a medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's the dog. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> Thank you. So everyone. nice to talk to you today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you too, darling. Well, I'll let everyone, I think we'll end here, but enjoy your day and I look forward to meeting you again. Mm. Bye. See you, honey. Thank you. Bye. Yeah.